Good morning to everybody and good afternoon, depending on where you are joining us from. I'm Nicholas Bornelius, president of CapitalLink, and I'm delighted and honored to welcome you to the third uh, of the series of webinars that we have initiated aimed to uh, inform the global investment community on trends and developments uh, about Greece and raise the profile of Greece as a business and investment destination. One of the key topics that uh, the foreign investment community has been uh, talking about and concerned uh, has been the, uh, the uh, attribution of justice and uh, specifically the, uh, the, uh, the bankruptcy and uh, restructuring uh, law in Greece. So we are hosting a webinar today on this very critical topic. The, uh, the topic is the new Greek insolvency code, a unified framework for early warning, preventive restructuring and bankruptcy and debt release. This webinar is intended to serve as an introduction to the new insolvency provisions expected to come into effect in Greece as of the beginning of 2021, next year. The code is styled Code for Debt, Settlement, and Second Chance. This bill is no less than a revolution for Greece. It introduces a unified code for restructuring and bankruptcy of individual and corporate debt for the first time in, uh, in uh, the country's history. It implements directly the recent European Union Directive on Restructuring and Insolvency, actually ahead of all other member states. As such, the new code should also help Greece better participate in the European Union Banking and Markets Union. We have with us uh, a team of legal experts. Actually, I would say more than a team of legal experts. These gentlemen are those who have put together the provisions of the new law. So this is the team that drafted the law. Please take note of that. So we are having here the legal architects of this new law. And uh, this will be presented to the uh, parliament uh, for discussion uh, next week. Um, so we have a pioneering uh, topic. I would like to thank them all for joining. And uh, I will pass the floor to Mr. Fotis Kormousis, who is the Special Secretary for Private Debt Management at the Ministry of Finance. Mr. Kormousis will be acting as the moderator, and he is going to be the one to uh, introduce our, our panelists. So Fotis, uh, please take over from me. Uh, Nikos, thank you very much. It's an honor to be here and present uh, this new law to have together with us uh, the four legal minds that drafted the law. There is a Greek saying, whenever somebody reads the law and doesn't understand what it says, it always, we always say to one another, what did the legal poet mean? So we don't call them uh, lawyers, we call them poets. So today we have the legal poets, the one that drafted this uh, law, which, um, <clears throat> consists of several parts. I will just speak for two minutes to describe these three parts and then pass on the floor to the speakers to uh, themselves 
touch upon the significant issues of this new piece of legislation. So this new law is actually a code uh, encompassing all existing legislation related to private debt, insolvency, and bankruptcy. It has three axes. The first axis is uh, the preventive phase, so an early warning mechanism to alert debtors that there is in, indeed a problem and they have to do something about it. The second axis is the preventive restructuring phase in order to settle their debts towards institutional creditors such as bank servicers and uh, public sector creditors. And the third and last axis is the bankruptcy and the discharge of debt. There are special safeguards for strategic defaulters as well as social policies for the primary residents. I'm sure the, uh, the speakers will touch upon the significant issues and how this law will improve the investment, uh, investment uh, the environment of the country by setting a clear rules for creditors and debtors. So we have together with us Mr. Stathis Potamitis, who was the leader of the working group, um, Mr. Alexandros Rokas, Mr. Alexandros Metalinos, and finally, from the judicial sector, uh, Mr. Vasilis Portokalis. Each one of these uh, speakers will focus on the areas of expertise. Each one, let's say, focus on a different part and area of the law, although all of them together, they reviewed all the code. So I pass the floor to Mr. Potamitis to tell us a few things about this new law and especially the part that he's, uh, let's say, interested in. Thank you very much. Thank you, Foti. Thank you very much. Uh, I will be sharing a little presentation with you. Uh, here we are. So my focus is going to be on this bankruptcy proceeding because as Foti has just mentioned, uh, the code covers uh, preemptive uh, proceedings as, uh, as well. Uh, the, our approach to the bankruptcy proceeding is based on what we identified as deficiencies in what we have in place today. Greece has had the bankruptcy code since 2007 and it has bankruptcy laws uh, for many years based on the uh, uh, commercial code of France. Um, we have identified a number of deficiencies. Uh, let me just focus on some of them. First of all, we have uh, uh, noted that the bankruptcy proceeding that's in place today is used very infrequently. You have fewer than 200 bankruptcies a year, whereas in fact you have tens of thousands of zombie companies, companies which are abandoned as opposed to going into bankruptcy. Uh, the second area of problems we have identified has to do with the lack of a clear path to debt discharge. Greece has not had a consumer bankruptcy statute. It has had a substitute in the Cancellis law, but that's a particularly uh, problematic statute. And since uh, merchants very frequently used bankruptcy, they also lacked a path to that discharge. Uh, that has also impacted uh, negotiations between debtors and creditors, uh, because uh, bankruptcy is not a credible threat either way. And debtors could not uh, use it as a way uh, to get rid of the debt, and creditors could not use it as a, as a, as a, as a threat 
to impose some uh, discipline to the negotiations. And another area that we identified as being very problematic is excessive uh, procedural complexity. Uh, that has had, um, uh, as a result, significant delays. It's also a function of lack of expertise and uh, generally uh, an emphasis on procedure as opposed to uh, substantive resolution of the, uh, of the issues. Um, against this background, we have uh, drafted the new code and it includes a number of significant reforms. I would like to focus on four. The first one is to the speeding up of liquidation. Instead of liquidation starting uh, at the state of union of creditors, as is currently uh, identified in the code, uh, liquidation starts right away. Uh, we've strengthened the role of creditors. We have uh, introduced a digital registry for all announcements, communications, and registration of procedural steps. And last but not least, we introduced consumer bankruptcy as an integral part of the bankruptcy code. Um, the ways in which we approach the speeding up of liquidation uh, has to do, first of all, with the bifurcation of the proceedings right at the outset. The court, when it declares bankruptcy, decides whether to go to a piecemeal liquidation or to a going concern liquidation. So we, we shortened the, the waiting period between uh, the declaration and the beginning of liquidation. Going concern liquidation, which is based on the existing special administration proceeding, requires significant support from creditors. Uh, the special administration proceedings uh, streamline selling of the business as a going concern in one or more parts. Uh, it could also include uh, distinct assets. Uh, it involves a public sale without a minimum price. And we've seen in practice that where applied, not only did it produce uh, swift uh, outcomes, but also better recovery than, than expected. For peaceful liquidation, we have sale of assets through the e-auction platform, uh, and we have addressed the problem of delays caused by minimum prices. Uh, minimum prices are set by an, an estimator, an assessor, and they are subject to automatic adjustment as opposed to uh, variation by court decision. We have reason to expect that liquidation will conclude, the liquidation part of the proceedings will conclude within something like eight months, even in difficult cases where the initial uh, auctions are not successful. Um, and last but not least, uh, disputes among creditors uh, do not delay the liquidation, and they are all heard at one hearing at the time of dispute. Um, coming now to the strengthening of the role of creditors, uh, they influence the appointment of the administrator to a very significant extent. That is compared to the current system of random selection, so this should make a very important uh, difference to the impact of creditor preferences on running of the proceeding. Uh, there are various ways that creditors can obtain information from the administrator, uh, much more so than under the current rules. Uh, creditors are given the right to sue management for trading while insolvent. This is something that's not in our statute today. Uh, quite critically, uh, 
bankruptcy will not impact enforcement by secured creditors, except in the case where uh, there is a pending application or a decision uh, to sell uh, on, a, on, a, on a going concern basis. And last but not least, we, we have tried to reduce procedural uh, privileges with tax authorities and the social security funds. We've tried overall to create a, a more equal environment, a more level playing field uh, for the creditors. I think one of the most uh, exciting reforms is the use of a digital registry for all announcements, communications, and all procedural steps. Publications, say, of decisions will be made on the digital platform. The platform will also receive communication to creditors for the announcements of the claims, for instance, so for cross-border creditors as well. Uh, it's, it can host assembly uh, voting creditors. And we will also be able, for the first time, to have uh, a lot of data on the proceedings, so we can compile statistics and among other things, be able to identify procedural weaknesses for improvements. Uh, sorry, the fourth uh, change is the introduction of consumer bankruptcy, as I mentioned. Uh, this, the, the code identifies bankruptcies uh, as being big or small, and there is a, a simplified process for small bankruptcies. We expect that most consumer bankruptcies will indeed fall into that category. Uh, individual uh, bankrupt individuals have uh, automatic uh, discharge after the, uh, on the third anniversary of the declaration of bankruptcy, unless prior to that date uh, creditors object, and they can object for fraud, lack of full disclosure, full cooperation with the bankruptcy organs. Uh, there's a special exemption for individuals that contribute significant assets to the estate they can be discharged in one year. And the discharge is very broad. It only exempts penalties for certain, certain specific criminal sanctions and for final day maintenance. Uh, so overall, uh, we introduce a new bankruptcy framework that makes bankruptcy simpler, uh, more transparent, faster, and within further. So we hope that way to be able to live up to the, to the purpose of the statute which is to contribute to a quick restoration of productive means to potentially productive uses, provide creditors with a reasonable recovery, and offer good faith debtors who fail with a second and possibly a third or a fourth chance. Uh, this is for me. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you, Minister Boratamaitis, for this interesting presentation. And now I pass the floor to Mr. Alexandros Rokas. And before Alexandros starts, if I may uh, remind everybody that uh, you can submit questions uh, to the panelists online. You have the Q&A uh, button and you can submit questions and then these questions will be replied after uh, our panel discussion is over. I already see a couple coming through and I encourage you to um, send us more. So, Mr. Rokas, please. Thank you for this. Uh, thank you, Nicholas and Capital Link, for this opportunity to discuss restructuring and bankruptcy. Status referred to um, bankruptcy, and I will refer to restructuring, and in particular, 
the transfer of business, which is a tool, a version of the a version of the restructuring procedure. Let me now share my uh, slides with you. So, okay. Now, uh, when we usually refer to corporate reorganizations, what comes to mind are uh, chapter 11 styled uh, restructurings. Um, these involve the restructuring of the uh, debt, while the selling alternative involves the uh, transfer of the business to a new uh, company, which is usually a company owned by an investor. This uh, version of the uh, US restructuring procedure is well known since the Chrysler reorganization in 2009, which was a very complex case, by the way. In Greece, we have introduced um, this version of uh, the restructuring procedure in 2011. However, it, it took about five years to uh, have a popular uh, selling procedure. This version of the restructuring procedure is now known as 106D agreements. So this shows us that it's one thing to have a law voted and another thing to have the law recognized in practice. So uh, uh, let me uh, come to the advantages of this selling procedure. Uh, the first is flexibility. What is the structure of this deal? Uh, the parties, which is, the parties are the debtor, the qualified majority of the creditors, as well as the investor. So the parties select which of the assets, the liabilities, and the contracts will be transferred to the new company, the company which is usually owned by the investor. The company uh, might be also a company set by creditors, but the most usual case is a company set by investors. So uh, even administrative licenses will be transferred to the new company. And that shows how flexible this procedure is. And also it shows, and I come to the second advantage, that the, that the firm's value is preserved. Um, I have to note that this procedure is usually a, a rapid procedure. And within, uh, say, six months, we can have the transfer completed. Finally, I come to the third advantage. Um, in the case of a normal restructuring, I mean restructuring without the transfer of the business, um, sometimes creditors uh, complain that uh, we have a payment plan ratified by court, but then the debtor in the, middle, in the medium term or in the long run, he's not able to pay according to the payment plan. And why is that? That is because um, during the years of crisis in Greece, it was quite a hard task to draft business plans. There were a lot of uncertainties involved. While in the case of uh, transfer of uh, business, we have a new uh, person, which is the person of the investor, who is usually a much more solvent entity. So the, um, the payment plan is, uh, in, the, in most cases, uh, kept. I have, uh, as a side note, I would like to note that um, the EU restructuring directive uh, includes a reference to the transfer of business in the preamble, but it does not regulate the details of uh, this type of restructuring. 
So um, this means that um, national legislator can um, include details on the transfer of business because there's no particular uh, regulation in the uh, restructuring directive about transfer. The only, what is regulated in the directive is the general uh, pre-insolvency framework. Now to, um, uh, I have some examples here of uh, real companies which were uh, restructuring Greece uh, through this 106D uh, procedure. They are mainly large businesses. These companies do not exist anymore because they were transferred to the new company, the company of the investor. Um, we are talking about in-court restructuring, of course, because 106D presupposes a, a ratification by court. Uh, the second case, the Marinopoulos case, was the largest restructuring in Greece until now uh, because uh, Marinopoulos uh, owed uh, around 2 billion euros. The debt was very large. And it's, uh, it's also interesting to, no to note that in the most recent case, the Krita Farms case, through the 106D procedure, even um, uh, issues relating to shareholders, uh, disagreements between shareholders were able to, to uh, resolve through this procedure. And it's also interesting, interesting to note that even haircut to the debt owed to the state was imposed through the 106D agreement. Now let's um, come to uh, the new code and what amendment, amendments are expected. The basic uh, amendment which is expected uh, to, uh, in, to influence the 106D agreements, which by the way are not going to be any more 106D agreements because the, uh, the number of the articles has changed. So the new element is the so-called creditor-driven agreement. Here we have 106D agreements which are signed by creditors, but without uh, debtor's consent. Uh, that, is to, that is to say the debtor uh, is not signing the restructuring agreement. The, the, the business of the debtor is transferred to a new company without debtor's, debtor's consent. But in order for that to occur, the debtor has to face severe uh, symptoms of crisis uh, in order for the procedure to be justified. So what are these symptoms? Uh, the debtor has to face inability to pay. That's a very well-known concept in other countries too. The debtor has to face a significant equity loss, 90% or more. And finally, the financial, financial statements um, has to be uh, left without submittance for two years. One of these three conditions has to be met. In fact, the inability to pay, to pay is now being detailed in the law, and that's the case not only uh, but also in bankruptcy. And the nuanced assumption which is introduced in the code is the following, that in case the debtor does not pay 40% of the debt owed to the banks or the state for six month, months, then the inability to pay is assumed. And finally, um, the court can appoint a trustee, a mandateur, who uh, is um, appointed in order to administrate the debtor's affairs until the ratification of the agreement. That may be very important and useful in case um, 
in order to avoid transfer of assets by the current administration uh, until the ratification is uh, in place. Finally, um, I have to uh, note that there is another procedure uh, in current laws, the special administration procedure, which is regulated in an emergency law, the Dendias law, um, and it is in place since 2014. There are some difference if we compare this procedure to 106D proceedings. First, there is always a special administrator who is running the business, business as and is putting the business is uh, putting the business to sale. Second, there is a bidding procedure, so the investor will be um, will show up through this bidding procedure. And third, only assets can be transferred and not liabilities. Now, this procedure will now, will now be integrated in the new code and it will be actually the alternative to the piecemeal bankruptcy liquidation. Stathis already mentioned this type of the bankruptcy procedure. It's the uh, going concern liquidation. So we keep this procedure, but it's now integrated in bankruptcy. I think that 106D agreements will become even more important after the amendments I mentioned previously. We are happy to, we're happy to discuss any questions and thank you again. I'm glad to see we have an avalanche of questions coming through. Now we move on more speeches and then we'll go places for the audience. We, have, we still have up in time, so sort of So, uh, is this my turn? Yes, Alexandros, it's your turn. Please go ahead. Thank you. Let me. Um, let me share uh, the uh, the screen. Uh, so, um, uh, I'm going to talk uh, about um, uh, uh, zombie firms and stranded assets. Um, so um, these are uh, two of the uh, biggest problems we face uh, in uh, the current situation in Greece. Um, uh, and uh, starting with zombie firms, these are firms that are unable to pay part or all of the due and payable debts. Typically, they don't pay anything to the banks and they uh, arrange, they, they make use of all schemes to, uh, uh, to pay uh, that, that are available from time to time uh, to pay uh, taxes and social security contributions late. Uh, they generally pay some of their um, suppliers, but with delays. 
Now, uh, what happens is that these firms lose value. Uh, first of all, because they're unable to invest, and that means uh, that uh, their uh, capital stock becomes uh, uh, depreciated and, uh, uh, and obsolete. They're, it's very difficult for them to compete. Uh, it's uh, uh, impossible for them to have uh, any strategic plans uh, over you know, just surviving the next, the next day. Uh, the this is uh, uh, obviously a problem for creditors because the value of the asset uh, depreciates very fast, but it's also a more systemic problem. Uh, they tend uh, to create problems for the financial health of competitors because in order to get even a small amount of liquidity to survive the next day, uh, they may sell at uh, prices below, um, uh, below the cost of, uh, of providing the goods and services. That was really typical in, um, uh, in firms uh, in the uh, public works sector where uh, uh, they would um, bid at very low prices uh, in order to get uh, the um, uh, upfront payment. And then they would uh, typically try, well, they would, they would work very slowly, they would do the worst possible work, they try to uh, get the state to pay them extra. Uh, and uh, all of that uh, uh, would uh, uh, create problems both to them and to competitors. The other problem, the other systemic problem uh, is uh, that uh, they uh, uh, affect suppliers because uh, in particular, if the zombie firm is a big firm like the Marinopolis supermarket chain was, uh, you may have suppliers who are um, caught in a vicious circle where they, uh, they cannot decide whether uh, to cut off supplies, uh, which means that they will probably never be paid because they will be last in line, uh, or to uh, risk uh, throwing uh, good money after bad by, by uh, giving uh, credit to the, uh, to the debtor. Um, so why do zombie firms survive? Well, uh, they survive, number one, because the immediate alternative for creditors is worse. Uh, uh, also because until now the uh, bankruptcy procedure per se was very, very inefficient for reasons that we're going to come to. And uh, so uh, creditors would extend that pretend, as we say. Uh, and then the insiders in that business had lots of incentives to keep the business uh, even better alive. So, you know, they could pay themselves salaries, they could have all kinds of other benefits from, uh, from this. Um, I have to say that the, uh, the presentation was done by, by my daughter, who's much better than I am in doing this. So, uh, a typical stranded asset. Um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm not sure this is the most significant one, but I see it every time I go to the, court of, to the port of Piraeus, so uh, uh, it's constantly in my mind. So this, is, uh, uh, this used to be a big uh, uh, tobacco factory. It's uh, walking distance from the port of Piraeus and actually on the main road you take to go to the port of Piraeus. Um, it's uh, 32,000 square meters. 
the company was declared bankrupt in 2006. Uh, the creditors tried to sell it for an initial reserve price of 12 million. Um, uh, they, the courts very, very slowly reduced the, the, the initial price because nobody would take it. Latest auction I have uh, been able to find uh, was uh, in 2019, so 13 years after the declaration of bankruptcy. The reserve price was 3 million. Again, they didn't manage to sell. Uh, I assume that you know, if, if nothing changes, they would keep going, reducing the prices, and maybe they'd sell it in 20 years. Uh, the value of that for the creditors would be uh, nothing. And uh, the problem is that it's, it's bad for everything. It's bad for the economy because nobody's using the asset. It's bad for the, uh, for the state. Nobody's paying uh, taxes on this building. It's bad for the area uh, because, you know, you're having this huge building next to it uh, to, uh, you know, stops development all uh, in the whole neighborhood. So um, something has to be done with this. Uh, so, um, uh, what can be done? One is restructuring, part of what uh, uh, Alexander Rokas just uh, uh, talked about. Uh, the procedures, the provisions have been there since 2011. Uh, there have been some delays in the ratifications by the courts. It could have been faster, but still, these were very effective uh, provisions. Nevertheless, they were not as effective as they could be because they were the carrot, but there was no stick. So in cases where uh, there was no uh, value for equity holders, it was very difficult to, to reach an agreement. And then uh, these were designed and are designed to save firms that are over-indebted, but uh, uh, not fundamentally non-competitive firms. So if something is fundamentally non-competitive as a firm, then the only thing you can do is sell it piecemeal. Uh, if, you sell, if you try to save the firm as it is, you, you, you just uh, do nothing because uh, um, the, uh, even if somebody uh, makes a mistake to buy it, they will continue making losses and they will go bankrupt as well. Uh, there has been the possibility of selling uh, the business as a whole. This has been uh, effective since 2014, the DNDS law Alexander mentioned. Um, uh, uh, again, uh, it is a good procedure to have, but not appropriate for fundamentally non-competitive firms. And uh, the sale of assets, while well, the current system is extremely inefficient uh, and it was crucially important to fix it. So, the next point is, uh, so how do we deal with this? Uh, we had um, uh, four main reform drivers. One was that we um, realized that speed is everything. Waiting destroys value. Uh, so um, uh, the, there are many reforms to, to, to accelerate things, but the most important one was uh, that we don't wait to verify the claims of the creditors. We start the sales process immediately, whether it's the sale of the business as a whole or a, or a separate part of it, or piecemeal, it starts immediately. Then the other fundamental difference, and this is a change in mentality, is 
our ideology here is that the only real determinant of value is the market. Uh, uh, any valuation by an expert valuer uh, can help with the process of, of price discovery, but price discovery is only made by the market. Uh, if nobody is willing to buy the Keranis factory at whatever the, uh, the assessor said is the value, then it, it isn't worth that much. It simply isn't worth that much. So, uh, uh, as was mentioned before, we have an automatic reduction of the reserve price, uh, leading ultimately to auctions without a reserve price. Then uh, the idea is everything must go. Uh, there is, uh, uh, and uh, uh, it is important for the process to get rid of assets that cannot be sold. So in the end, we say that if nobody buys it, uh, then the state will get it because by definition it has zero or negative value. Now, solving this issue of stranded assets will also help with the problem of zombie firms because it changes the incentives for the parties. Uh, the, um, uh, the insiders will know that the banks have, or you know, and the creditors in general have a, a credible alternative, so a credible th threat and the uh, the creditors know that they will, yeah, by, by pushing the company into bankruptcy, then they're not going into a black hole. So that was the, um, the main drivers. We hope that by changing this aspect, we can also make the other aspects, the more friendly aspects or like restructuring, more efficient because everybody's minds will be uh, concentrated. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Alexandros, for your presentation on this significant issue. And now I'll pass the floor to <clears throat> Mr. Vasilis Portokalis to give us the judicial uh, aspect. Uh, good morning or good evening to everybody. Uh, I would like uh, myself to thank uh, Mr. Bornozis Capital Link for the opportunity. Um, and uh, just a note, uh, the Keranis Factory is the first candidate to host the, the new uh, Piraeus uh, courts. Uh, the, the, it's the building that Alexander Dalinos uh, projected. So, uh, as it was emphasized by the previous speakers, uh, a basic characteristic of the new code is the simplification of the procedures with the intention of speeding them up. Its provisions aim at the fast return of productive means in productive uses, as uh, Stathis mentioned, either through the procedure of early warning or through their preventive restructuring or through bankruptcy where we target at the fastest the reclaim of debts by the creditors uh, through the liquidation of the bankruptcy assets in market values uh, as they are revealed in the auction. As it is mentioned in the directive for restructuring and insolvency, the speeding up of early warning and restructuring procedures makes the country attractive to investments. Uh, in accordance with that, uh, we have to examine the role of the judge in, in light of the provisions of the new code. This role, of course, is, is limited in the preventive restructuring procedure where we have the insolvency court and the bankruptcy and the bankruptcy procedure where we have both the insolvency court and the judiciary reporter uh, and not uh, to the procedure of early warning where, uh, where there is no judicial interference. Uh, the aim of the new code uh, is the speeding up of legal proceedings by abbreviating the uh, deadlines of the oral procedure in courts and also by making them simpler. 
that is achieved by the limited interference of courts in the decision uh, making pro in the decision making process and the enhancement of the trustees and the creditors initiatives uh, with ultimate goal the acceleration of legal proceedings now let's go to in the limits of the preventive restructuring procedure uh, the involvement of courts there is limited only in the necessary actions such as the ratification of the restructuring restructuring agreement where the oral procedure is appointed within only two months from the application and uh, the court decision when all the parties agree has limited justification also uh, the appointment of a special trustee if it is needed to manage the property of the debtor uh, also the action to grant, recall, modify, or extend the provisional measures. And finally, if fast, the, the court uh, uh, modifies or annuls the, uh, annuls the restructuring agreement. In, uh, can I have the, the second uh, page, please? Okay, thank you very much. In the limits of the bankruptcy procedure, uh, it is important uh, the fast liquidation of the debtor's assets in order to avoid the decline of its value, as it is mentioned before. Bearing in mind uh, the new code gives more initiatives to the trustee and the uh, creditors and limits the involvement of the court in quality and quantity to only the most important issues. For instance, the trustee is no longer appointed by the court in most of the cases from a catalog of lawyers, but is indicated by the creditors. And in the application, there is a written acceptance from this part. In this way, it is intended that the trustee takes over as soon as possible and we avoid what is often in the current practice, that the court uh, appointed trustee renounces his appointment and causes further delay because the court has to reappoint a new trustee. In the new code, the replacement of the trustee is accepted only under very strict conditions. Secondly, the court decides for the important issue of uh, liquidating the bankrupt business as an entity or very big and separately functional part of it. Uh, thirdly, in cases where the bankruptcy is uh, declared after application of the debtor itself. And if there is no opposite action from a creditor, uh, the court decision that accepts it uh, has limited justification. Also, the oral procedure before the court, uh, in, before the insolvency court, is appointed within 20 days. Another provision is that, uh, is that it is given great discretion at the president of the insolvency court to take any provisional measures until the decision is published to the electronic insolvency records to avoid any negative change in the assets of the debtor or decrease of its value. Regarding now the responsibilities of the judiciary reporter, uh, we have also significant changes. Uh, we now appoint the first instance judge instead of the president of the court of first instance, uh, whereas in the small scale bankruptcies, the small bankruptcies, a magistrate is appointed as a judiciary reporter. For the appointment, it is now important in the law and mentioned in the law that the judge has, has had previous experience or postgraduate or other education in solvency matters. The judiciary reporter makes a proposition to the court also after the oral procedure of the case regarding the acceptance or denial of the application for bankruptcy. The appeal against the ruling of the judiciary reporter has to be made within 10 days, uh, a very short deadline, from the publication of the ruling. The judiciary reporter can also ask for the help of a financial uh, expert, such as a member of the Greek IRS, uh, or for investig investigative uh, procedure, in order to uh, assess the actual financial situation and assets of the debtor. 
The biggest though innovation of the new code in the limits of the bankruptcy procedure, procedure is the introduction of a much simpler procedure in the small scale bankruptcies. A bankruptcy is considered as a small scale one if the debtor's business doesn't fulfill at the time of its last balance sheet two out of three of the following prerequisites. Firstly, total assets of uh, 350,000 euros, annual turnover after taxes of uh, 700,000 euros, an average of 10 employees during the last period. For these bankruptcies, jurisdiction have, uh, is, uh, belongs to the magistrate courts, where the insolvency court is more flexible because there's only one judge in it, in contrast to the insolvency court of the first instance, where it is made up from three judges. The magistrates have already previous experience because for the last decade, they had exclusive jurisdiction uh, for the cases of protection of first domicile, also known as cases of Cacelli's law, which in context are very similar to the cases of small-scale uh, small bankruptcies. In this procedure, the application is made digitally to a special platform, staff has mentioned before about this platform, and in case that within 30 days of the application, nobody objects this, it is accepted by the court without any justification. Um, if there is an objection, within 65 days from the submission of the application, the parties have to deposit their files, and within two months, the court has to reach a decision. So, all in all, if we add the above deadlines, in five months, months maximum from the day of the submission of the application, we have a decision. Generally, uh, all the other procedures are simplified, and for some, the trustee can act without the permission of the judicial reporter. Uh, this simple procedure aims at the speeding up of the bankruptcy, and for that reason, if the bankruptcy isn't over in a total of 12 months from the day of the application, the trustee has to answer to the judiciary reporter who can replace him if he doesn't accept his reasons. Thank you very much. Phyllis, thank you very much for your presentation. Now we quickly move on to replying some of the questions. In order to save time, we have started replying in written form to some of the questions and I will now uh, read some of these questions to answer them orally, uh, starting from the beginning. Uh, one says about receiving uh, the presentation. The presentations have been made available to the organizers and can be sent or uh, provided to you via them. Uh, yes. Another question is about Another question is about the board of directors, members, or managers that will be released from responsibility of their companies overdues to public sector debts, and whether this will apply to all cases retroactively. I don't know, Mr. Podamidis, could you share some light on that one? Yes, the, uh, the law provides uh, one of the transitional uh, provisions that when you have uh, representatives of uh, entities which have gone bankrupt, prior to the, effect, uh, the law going into effect, they will also benefit uh, from the uh, release from liability, which, just to inform people, applies for debts incurred within the 12-month period prior to the suspect period. So that could go as far back as three years before the declaration of bankruptcy. Uh, the liability of those individuals has to do with unpaid debts to tax authorities, and social security funds and employees, so it's a limited 
civil and criminal uh, exposure, which is uh, set by a law outside the bankruptcy environment. Bankruptcy will give those people some protection. Okay, thank you very much. Another question from Mr. Vessels. It says, do you consider in cases a large person is empty and has no activities or assets, a mandatory rule to dissolve the company because it no longer has any reason to continue to exist? And proposes uh, what they do in the Netherlands. I don't know, maybe it seems like a question about zombie firms and that's I refer it to Mr. Metalinos. Could you share some light on that one? This was uh, not part of the discussions in this, uh, in this project alone. Uh, so uh, uh, the, the point was uh, to deal with uh, companies that cannot, uh, firms that cannot uh, service their debts. Uh, there was a discussion, remember, uh, it was never completed in another project, which was the reform of uh, company law. Uh, to deal with uh, companies that simply have no activity. Uh, and there was, uh, there was a provision drafted, but it was never, uh, never passed. Of course, uh, it was interesting, though, because it said that uh, uh, there will be... Uh, Alexandre, I'm, Alexandre, I'm sorry, we can't hear you. Uh, you're coming, sorry. I apologize to interrupt you. Maybe you can just jump in. Uh, you, you are muted, Alexandre. Alexandros was saying that this is a, a, a company law matter which was considered as part of the company law reform, but it was not adopted. Uh, uh, it would be interesting to consider at a later stage. Okay. Uh, so another question is by Mr. Uh, Lazos uh, related to uh, the bank's uh, concerns about this code and uh, whether something has been done about it or any consideration has been given. I was just beginning to draft uh, the question, but I will uh, say it out loud. Uh, all concerns from uh, banks have been taken into account. Several changes were implemented since the last draft of the law, which was open for public consultation in August. This uh, revised uh, draft of the law has been shared with all major institutions, such as the Bank of Greece, uh, HFSF, uh, ECB, uh, European institutions, Commission, etc. And uh, we have been, uh, in written form, received approval or, uh, or agreement that uh, all concerns have been effectively dealt with. And uh, as you will see, uh, it is not expected to cause any damage uh, as it was uh, initially reported. Uh, you will see the final draft, which will be entered into Parliament uh, most probably by next week, uh, has, uh, let's say, addressed all these concerns. Um, Another one from Mr. Olewinski. I'm sorry if I didn't pronounce it properly. Which proceedings apply to the Greek assets of the foreign owner, the bankrupt in its home country, secondary proceedings, recognition of foreign trustee, etc.? I think it sounds something like for uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Portokalis, would you? Comment. If you want, I can shortly comment. Ah, bravo, Alexandre, jump in. <laughs> 
uh, actually it was not related to uh, to any to, to no one's uh, uh, speech so um, there is no alteration to that uh, issue international insolvency law is not um, the greek rules are not amended that is to say we have the eu regulation which is still in place we have the unsitual model law which we have also in Greece, and this is not uh, modified, and uh, nat nat national procedural rules too. So uh, these rules continue to apply, and secondary pro procedures can uh, open. That's the most simple answer I can say. Okay, thank you very much, Alexandra. I don't know if somebody else wants to add something on that. Since it was the last question, uh, so I give the floor back to Nicolas to, I don't know if you have some questions for the panel or you'd like to uh, sum up the process. Well, maybe I can take uh, a couple more minutes. I mean, we have an avalanche of questions. Uh, so what we're going to do is uh, we are going to share all the questions coming through with the panelists. So they can be replied to uh, also uh, at a later point of time. So we urge everybody, by the way, you had record attendance, a testimony, not only to you, but also to the topic that you are talking about. So anyone who would like to uh, submit questions, send them please at questions at capitalin.com. We will group them all together and give them to the team uh, for further uh, processing. Uh, we will have, uh, also, we will make available the slides. If anybody needs the slides, and I'm sure a lot of them would like to access them, please contact us. And uh, uh, we are going to be sharing them with you. There will be a replay, obviously, of, of this webinar. Uh, it will be available on our website. It will be later available on YouTube. But if you need the slides, contact us. And you can, again, contact us, questions at capitalink.com, and we will send them to you. I would like to thank you all. I mean, we can go on and discuss for a long time. Um, I think it has been a very insightful and detailed and professional presentation. Uh, this is going to be uh, presented to the parliament in the next couple of weeks. So I think uh, once this becomes law, it will be really transformative for the uh, attractiveness of Greece as a business and investment destination for foreign investors. This has been one of the topics that has been coming up all the time as a major uh, obstacle. And uh, it's really tremendous that uh, you are tackling it. Uh, I would like to thank you all. I'd like to remind uh, our, um, our participants that uh, we are trying to create momentum in, ter in terms of uh, attention by the International Investment Community for Greece. Uh, this is uh, the third webinar we have been hosting. The fourth one will be on October 27. It will be on another very hot topic on uh, corporate governance, uh, the new landscape for corporate governance in Greece. That has been another major topic. Uh, and then, of course, we will culminate with our major online uh, event, 15 and 16 of December. Unfortunately, we will not be able to do it in... Uh, physically in New York as we do it every year, but we will do it online. And uh, we will bring everybody from everywhere in the world to, uh, you know, to our uh, event uh, in December. 
And by the way, on a different topic, October 21st and 22nd, we're hosting uh, a major online conference on Greek shipping. I know it's a different topic. Um, it showcases the leadership of Greek shipping, but as a thought leaders, not only as industry leaders. So we urge you to uh, attend that as well. And anyway, uh, enough about, uh, about me uh, and Capitaling. Thank you to you for a great uh, debate. And uh, I see the questions coming in. I'm sorry to cut it off, and, uh, but we will communicate all the questions to you for further uh, reply. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you.